Hey everyone, welcome back to the Crossbar Podcast. My name is Alex, your host, and today is a really great episode. It is the fourth and final installation of my Dutch Eredivisie season preview series. We've gone over the reigning champions Ajax, we've done PSV, even Azed Alkmaar, and this week we're going to be discussing Feyenoord, uh, the, the main club from Rotterdam, and they've had quite an interesting few seasons after winning the league quite a, a couple of years ago. Um, they've been sort of up and down, not quite able to challenge at the top of the Eredivisie, but with a new coach and some great new players, uh, things are definitely looking up in what is considered to be one of the big three clubs in the Netherlands. Uh, so I was joined by a great Dutch analyst, Evert van Zula. He uh, has a Twitter account, which you can follow. I'll link that into the description. He has a YouTube channel uh, called The Next Manager, where he goes over some football tactics, which is pretty great. Um, so yeah, it was a pleasure to speak with him, and I hope you all enjoy. Um, definitely be sure to share this episode with a friend or multiple friends <laughs> if you uh, do enjoy it. And uh, yeah, definitely subscribe if you have the opportunity because we'll have some new episodes coming out soon. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'll link that in the description where you can you can shout at me. You can um, hopefully maybe provide some constructive criticism and suggestions for upcoming episodes. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So, Everett, thanks for joining. Going straight into Feyenoord's summer transfer window, uh, of course, last season was not the best for, for the team. And I think over the past couple of years after uh, winning the Eredivisie most recently, um, it's been a bit of a drop-off in form, you could say. But with Arna Slot coming in as coach, who uh, we'll touch on in a little bit, as well as a lot of new signings to replace the likes of uh, Stephen Berghaus. Could you maybe describe briefly the type of business Feyenoord have done this summer and then potentially going into uh, talking about the specifics of some of the new signings? Yeah. Um, well, the transfer window, indeed, it, it started quite quite badly for Feyenoord with having to sell Stephen Berghaus to Ajax for not even $6 million, uh, because, of course, it, it, he had a... a, a I just call it in English, and, and a thing in his in his contract, a clause you in his contract that he was able to go for about four million euros. So eventually sold him for about two million more. But to sell your star player for that type of money is of course really difficult to to try and replace him. So I think the main thing Feyenoord did this transfer window was to look for new starting eleven players with without like a lot of transfer budget. So very cheap players. Uh, for example, they had Gustil. Uh, they loaned him from uh, Spartak Moscow. Uh, yeah, Hanbaks came in from, I think, not even 1 million. So all in all, it was very... They had to look for very cheap players who were able to play within Arne Slot's new playing style um, and be an immediate, be, be an immediate uh, 
qualitative advantage to like the, the, the starting 11 at the moment? Yeah, so I, I would love to keep going on that thread a little bit. You mentioned um, Berghaus, who left to Ajax, probably one of the biggest surprises this summer. Um, and then speaking about uh, Ali Reza Jahanbaksh, he, of course, was on fire for Azad for quite a few seasons, um, left for uh, Brighton in in England in the Premier League. Uh, didn't really turn out that well, so started to get into it again he was his first mm-hmm. couple of matches he was really unfit because I think he didn't play like uh, a lot of matches for like the last two seasons or something and now in the first couple of, of games you really really saw that he was like unfit had trouble with coordination and conditioning also of course because slot style play is very intensive um, but the last game especially last night against uh, Luzerne uh, the home game he scored twice then he went off injured which is of course a problem when you haven't played uh, that many games in, in, for so long but he's getting into it and I think that if you look at his past stats for like Azet he, he could be a very decent replacement for, for Berghuis especially because he was quite cheap so I think this is probably one of the best replacements they could get for the money that they were that they were willing to spend this summer yeah, and you, you mentioned Hust Hill as well being loaned in from Russia, uh, another former Azad player who hasn't really gotten into his uh, his stride abroad. He scored, I, I think he scored at least five goals so far. Yeah, he scored five goals in the yeah. Conference League qualifiers. He's also in a Dutch national team uh, pre-eliminary squad uh, right now. So yeah, he, uh, yeah, he mm-hmm. really made uh, quite an impression uh, in the first couple of games. But that's, of course, yeah, it's still refiner. Like, the Arne Schlott really wanted a, a moving number 10 who could make, like, runs in behind. And he already knew Gustil from his time at AZ. So he already spoke to him, I think, during last season when Schlott was, of course, fired by, by AZ. So he, he had all the time and the role to do that. But, yeah, he's fitting into the team nicely. Also had some, some problems, like, during the early friendly games because he was quite unfit and didn't really have much, uh, lots of match rhythm. But right now he's getting into it, like you said, scored five goals during the, the, the Conference League qualifiers. And he's already like becoming a fan favorite at the moment. So um, I hope for the finer fans that he keeps on going like this. Of course, there were a couple of other summer signings and the transfer window is not closed yet. So there still could be some business. But given the two players we've talked about who perhaps are the biggest summer signing, so to say, um, at this point, both coming from Azad, of course, Arna Slot's former club. I, I feel like we have to go right into talking about the former um, Azad manager. He really took the league by storm during the season a couple of years ago. That was, or I guess one year ago, that was cut short by um, the COVID pandemic. Azad, of course, equal on points with Ajax, but no winner, as it were, awarded. Could you... Speak about the way Arneslot sets up his team and specifically how you think he's going to approach this season, his first season with Feyenoord um, and, and uh, with the new players coming in as well, how they slot in. Well, the thing with Arneslot is he's, um, well, perhaps like first go back to, to last season with Dick Esfogat for Feyenoord because Dick Esfogat played like a very rigid like 4-1-4-1 mid-block formation. So even at home, Feyenoord would just drop back against like mid-table teams and then display like full-on man marking and, and like try to counter-attack from there. And now with Arne Slot, like there's a very aggressive like um, 
I think a bit of a Jurgen Klopp style of, of play is, is getting into the team. Like a lot of very high pressing, uh, very intensive pressing. Um, even against Atletico de Madrid and during the friendly match, they tried to press high up the pitch. Also very aggressive counter pressing. So when they lose the ball immediately, like three, four players would just jump and sprint towards the ball to try to get it back as soon as possible. While also during possession, he will try to build up from the back. Um, but also using some very like modern approaches to it. So not, it's not just playing out from the back with like a lot of teams in the Dutch Euro division do, but it's not like for the sake of playing out, but there's really an idea behind it. And there's a very like interesting setup behind it with a lot of diagonal passes, a lot of line breaking passes, um, a lot of directness also because the, the counter pressing is going quite well, uh, find it's able to be quite direct because when they lose the ball, the team is immediately able to, to work hard for it, to, to retain it and to get it back. You just want me to get into like how he plays as well, like during the formation, everything. Yeah, um, yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, and if you could mention specific players, maybe yeah. not even just the summer signings, but um, the squad has been, uh, it, it's not it's certainly not the strongest in the Netherlands, but it's not um, not a, a poor team technically or physically by any stretch of the imagination. So could you, um, yeah, feel free to speak about uh, a lot of the specifics that you've been analyzing. Yeah, no, sure, man. It's uh, well, he plays like for a four-two-three-one formation, and during the possession, like one of the fullbacks will move higher up, but then the winger moving inside, forming like a three-two-four-one kind of formation. Especially with the two fullbacks, I think uh, Marcus Pedersen on the right was, of course, also a new signing from uh, from I think Denmark, and uh, yeah, like he's he's just going up and down the wing a lot, uh, very attacking fullback. Also on the left, we have Taro Malasia who really developed himself into like an all-round fullback being both defensively and offensively very very strong also uh, getting into the Dutch national team at the moment um, then we have with uh, Marcus Senesi and the new signing uh, Trauner two center backs who are capable of playing those line breaking passes to to players in between the lines and also to a very like a forward aim uh, while well in possession because like the friendlies uh, before, before Trauner was there, that for example, they had Leroy Fair at, as a centre-back. But he's much more controlling and doesn't really look for those line-breaking passes. So then the, the play becomes quite sloppy and quite, uh, quite a low pace. But now with Trauner and Snes, they have two really good uh, centre-backs, both on the ball and in one versus one duels defensively. Uh, then uh, Orkan Kukchu is now, the I think, the, the main playmaker. He went from like a, a creative number 10 role to now like sort of like number eight, perhaps even a number six. So the first couple of games, he really had to adjust his, his style of play because he was used to being a bit more creative. Well, as a number eight, you of course have to be a bit more, well, you have to play a bit more safe pass. You also have to keep play those like key passes to in behind to create chances. But in the midfield era, you have to be a bit more safe. So I think he really added that to his game and now he's, he's playing very, very good. Um, of course, Jaan Bax on the right we talked about, who's also very good at coming uh, in between the lines with Gustil, but usually Gustil and Jaan Bax like playing uh, as the two attacking midfielders between the lines, being able to just find their own spaces uh, behind the midfielders of the opponent. Um, I think one of the main weaknesses can still be the striker position, which we now have Brian Linse, who's very, who's very an aggressive striker, who's good in pressing and counter pressing, but 
especially like in the in this in the penalty box you can tell that he's not like a true striker he's more of a winger a second striker kind of player so that's definitely something that Feyenoord can still uh, improve on um it's also the the so and on the left we force have uh, Sinistera who's a very good winger good in his one versus one duels but uh perhaps lacks a bit of vision after he like looks for the it's one versus one action lose he will usually pass the defender but then he might lose his vision to see who's in front of the goal and then he can at times uh, make the incorrect decisions however i think with on slot type of play it's of course a lot on the ball a lot of counter pressing so i think it's also because last year on the dick advocate a lot of the players were a bit that they got angry with having to drop back as much uh, and right now because slot is pressing so high up and so much counter pressing a lot of the ball you can also tell the players are very enthusiastic by it, that they just are willing to to perform the sprints and to do the physical work as well. I think one of the main weaknesses, though, is like like you said, Feyenoord has a, a decent squad for the Dutch Eredivisie, not as good as PSV or Ajax, but decent squad. But it's only like the first eleven, perhaps first thirteen players that are like good enough for Dutch Eredivisie, and then they have like a couple of youngsters who are coming into the first team as well. But there's a very big gap between the first 11 players and like the bench because the the moment is of course a very intensive style of play so the moment that players get injured or um like after you substitute it then there's immediately a big drop uh in the quality of, of the team so i think that's definitely one of the main weaknesses that Fire can encounter this season you you mentioned linson being the 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 striker at this point, even though he's not naturally a number nine, do you see that as the the largest uh, hole in the team? And maybe uh, I know they have some players in the youth academy. There's uh, Bozenek, I believe, is is still in the team um, as a backup striker. Do you see anyone coming in before the summer transfer window ends that, that could take up that nine role? But uh, I don't think Fart have a lot of money left to actually make like a transfer because they, they wanted to buy a striker from Sporting Lisbon. I forgot his name. And also Graciano Pella was mentioned. But Pella is, of course, a very big striker, also kind of old. So I don't really see him going into this full, like, full gas football that Arne Slot wants to play. Um, Bozenik, uh, he isn't from the youth academy, by the way. But... Um, yeah, Bosnik, the problem with Bosnik is he's a good goal scoring striker. So, but he's purely a striker for in the opposition's penalty box because mm-hmm. in, if you play him into his feet in the midfield area, he's just his first touch is quite sloppy. He isn't able to, to dribble. He isn't gonna like link up play or anything. Mm-hmm. So, that's a pretty big issue, especially with slots like build up play from the back. Then you might also just need that striker who just, you know, drops into midfield and, and links up the play or becomes like uh, the third man or something and also with Novo Banis but uh, he's 19 years old so might still be able to to get into that first team at one point but at, at this moment um, I don't really see it happening because like he tested Banis during some matches um, but during like all the conference league qualifiers it's he's always chosen for Linsen as a striker so I think he will start the season with, with Linz in that position. But I think if Feyenoord finds some money or find like a very good opportunity to get another striker, I think it definitely will 
try to improve their position. I think that's definitely the position at this moment that they need uh, like an extra quality impulse. Yeah, I would agree just from an outsider's perspective looking in. Another thing that I'm, I'm sort of thinking about is the fact that a lot of the new signings, um, maybe besides Till, but he's uh, more of a 10, um, a midfielder who's going to get into the box. Uh, none of the new signings were in the midfield specifically besides him. Um, but it seems like the... Yeah, they the... bought uh, Aursus from Mola as well. He hasn't played yet. I see. But they just bought uh, a new midfielder. So, so do you... I guess my question is, um, or I should preface this by describing how last season, at least in the classic era against Ajax, uh, I believe in both matches, Feyenoord's midfield was almost entirely outmatched, um, which is not necessarily a surprise given um, the, the quality of players and passing that uh, Eric Ten Hag's side has. But Moving forward into this season, um, you mentioned a, a couple of midfield replacements uh, having having come in during the, the summer transfer window. And with Arna Slot's style of play, <clears throat> do you see, uh, I, I guess my question is, how do you see Feyenoord matching up against the likes of PSV and Ajax in these one-off Eredivisie matches? Do you think the, the midfield will be a little bit more secure um, for the Rotterdam side? Well, I think so. Um, not just because of like the quality of the players, but also because of the style of play. Because with Advocat, it was of course like full-on man marking in the midfield area, and against teams like Ajax, who just are very good at playing against that type of of, of style, and just um, you know will be more on the ball and have good type of movement. Then yeah, it becomes really it can become really really difficult to win those duels, especially when you have qualitatively like inferior players. Against PSV, it went it went quite decent because I think we beat PSV once and one was a draw, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I think this right now it's a, you can compare it a bit with like when Guardiola and Klopp were at Bayern München at Borussia Dortmund, I think. With Dortmund having I think a lesser squad in terms of quality, and then Bayern München, of course, being stronger. But then Dortmund could beat them just because of the style of play and their intensity and their counter pressing and counter attacking. And I think that's also something that Feyenoord might be able to profit from uh, this season. So perhaps in terms of quality, not as good as Ajax and PSV, but with their style of play and their intensity, and especially during like home matches with the fans, I think that can help to match up with, with Ajax and PSV. I think usually Feyenoord can beat PSV at home. I'm not really sure why it is, but usually Feyenoord is able to beat PSV at home. Uh, Ajax will, of course, be a difficult case. But it's a bit like I said before. It it's also depends on how long Feyenoord's first 11 players will be fit throughout the season. Because if they go into the Conference League, um, which I think they will, they, of course, will just be playing like three matches a week for like the, the until Christmas. And if you then have to play like this full-intensity football and then you have to play Ajax when you have already played the game on Thursday, yeah, when, when Feyenoord is tired and the style of play isn't there, or the intensity isn't there, then I think they don't really have the quality to really match up with these teams. So that will depend a lot. But I think Feyenoord really needs to have it from the, from the style of play. Yeah, that's it's the perfect transition to my next question, which was uh, is going to be about both the Eredivisie campaign, which I guess in many ways takes precedent, 
um, for, for a club like Feyenoord trying to compete with a couple of major domestic rivals. Um, and then the conference league, like you mentioned, uh, it looks like uh, they should be doing relatively well um, considering their performances so far. So um, do you think that Arna Slot should focus on those midweek European matches uh, and perhaps like you mentioned with not having a very deep team in terms of talent um, risking picking up a couple of injuries as the season progresses and maybe not finishing as highly in the Eredivisie? I think that no, I think they will just like prioritize the Eredivisie but I also think that like the top players in that environment should be able to play three times a week most of the time but i think if he really has to choose at one point i think they will choose dutch year over the conference league i also think there's not that much money to be earned in the conference league i'm not really sure but i think it's less than europa league but yeah um conference league is of course like a new league so i really have like no idea what kind of opposition Feyenoord can expect in in that league because i know i think tottenham is also in, in the conference league right so Perhaps when you're getting into the group stage, that suddenly there are a couple of big teams who are also like suddenly there. Then you, of course, have more opposition that can be more, be more difficult. But yes, it seems right now, Feyenoord should be able to go pretty far. And I think that's also great for Dutch football because of the, the coefficient points for more Europa League places. Um, but also just for Feyenoord as well, because they went to the Europa League group stage a couple of times in recent seasons, but they always just go out uh, immediately in the group stages. I think for a team like Feyenoord, they should go well beyond in Europe to like quarterfinals. As for the Geodivisie, well, last year Feyenoord ended fifth eventually, with Ajax, PSV, Vitesse and AZ all ending uh, above them. I think well, Ajax and PSV will be first and second, I think. I think they just have better, better squads at the moment. I think Vitesse and AZ, it really depends because Vitesse was planning on selling uh, Bazur and Tanara. I'm not sure if you know them, but they were like the star players of Vitesse. Yeah. And Vitesse was like planning on selling both of them because they both wanted to leave and make like the next step in their career. However, so far, no team has officially like bought them. They're still at Vitesse. So they're not playing there at the moment because the Vitesse is still planning on selling them. But it could just be that like September arrives and both haven't left, which surely meant, means that Vitesse have both just as a good squad as they had last year. And if they do leave, then suddenly Vitesse is, is a much lesser team. And I think the same goes a bit for AZ, who have sold uh, Stanks and uh, Boadou um, and are, might sell uh, Weindal and Copenhagen. So I think if AZ sells all those players and don't really get like the replacements uh, from the same level, which is AZ's policy is to, to not spend more than 3 million, I think, on new players. So there's a good chance that if they sell them, they don't get the, the, the same type of players back. So let's say Vitesse sells Tanana and Bazur and AZ sells all their, their good star players right now, then I think Feyenoord might or should be able to do better than both of those teams. However, if Vitesse just suddenly keep Bazur and Tanana and uh, AZ suddenly has some good players left and buys good new players, then of course... Um, they can match up with Feyenoord or perhaps are even better than Feyenoord. So I think it's quite hard to say where they will end in the league, but I think Feyenoord should strive for third place. I think if Feyenoord ends in the third place uh, above Vitesse and AZ, then I think they've done a pretty decent uh, job. So given the the strength in 
in squads that you mentioned with Ajax and PSV, even with uh, all the improvements that Feyenoord look to be making this summer, it seems like there still is a pretty large disconnect, in, at least in terms of their overall uh, squad depth and just talent or, across the board. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Feyenoord's pretty brilliant youth academy who has produced a lot of great talent over the years. Um, do you think Feyenoord supporters should be looking towards their academy for some hope uh, as to maybe being able to compete with Ajax and PSV across a whole season in maybe two, three years' time? Well, yeah, definitely. Because, uh, for example, last night, Milambo and Artis, both from the Youth Academy, made their official debut for Feyenoord, both playing really well during friendlies. And uh, Milambo also becoming the youngest Feyenoord debutant uh, ever, uh, surpassing one album as uh, the youngest one. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely some youth coming into the first team uh, at the moment. However, the, the youth over the past seasons, there was also like some youth players coming to the first team, but they never really like managed to get like a, a first, like a starting 11 spot. So partly that's, that's probably because of the, the quality of the players coming through. However, it's also, of course, the first team manager that needs to give them the place into the first team and to ensure that they get the experience needed. And I think Arne Slot is more the type of manager to give them those chances than uh, a manager like Dick Advocatis, who's more for the for the immediate result. Yeah, I think some good players are coming through with Milambo and Hartjes, uh, Hendricks perhaps as well. Uh, and then it's the hope that Arne Slot is able to to improve them and to get them onto that first team level. So I don't think you can expect like a 16 and an 18 year old to be there like this season play like 30 games and be the best of the best of the team but if, if they get their experience now then perhaps in two three years time they will be able to become like regular starters like for example like Malasia and Kukshu same thing they just they got some experience a couple of years ago and now they have to like carry the team and uh, they're like the the the, the transfer market value that fighter needs to to sell players so yeah I think it looks hopeful also there were some changes in the youth academy structure last year because there was like a big fight between like the, the, the old school coaches who wanted to do it the old way and like the, the new type of managers who wanted to make changes in the youth academy. And uh, Feyenoord has chosen to go with like the new managers and go with like a new, the new style of, of educating players. So yeah, it, it sounds hopeful and I hope for, for Feyenoord that they were able to produce some new talents that get into that first team. So yeah, that, that's great. And I guess just to close it off, diving a little bit deeper into the youth structure, a little bit of a revamp, like you mentioned. When I was chatting with uh, with the people I interviewed for the IX and the AZ season preview, we dove into the young AZ and young IX. And with these teams in the second division, they're able to uh, have these 18, 19 year old players, oftentimes even younger, uh, come up against real hardened professionals who may not have the same quality as the Eredivisie players, but they're certainly veterans of the game and they're not going to go easy per se on, on a lot of these reserve players. So I'm interested as to why Feyenoord, it seems like they, I don't think they've ever had uh, young Feyenoord in the second division, if I'm not mistaken. No, they, um, do, you, they... do you know why that is? 
I'm not really sure. It was the technical director at the time chose not to do it. I mm. thought he was against the new structure with young teams in the in like the, the the second division or like the first division. But I'm not really sure why they didn't do it. But I've, they're they're trying to get into it now. I think like young fired is in like two or three competitions below the first division, and now I have to get promoted a couple of times to get in there. But yeah, it's a really big miss because young Feyenoord didn't. I think the last couple of years they didn't even were in a competition. They just didn't even play any matches. So there's also a very big gap between like Feyenoord under 19s and Feyenoord first team. That they just didn't have any team to, to really fill in that gap. So it was definitely a, a big miss. Yeah, I'm not really sure what it, what it, what it didn't do. It's, uh, yeah, like you said, for far, Asset, Ajax, PSV, even Utrecht, they're all in there and that's great for them to get the experience. But, that's definitely something uh, the Steinert want to get in as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch some promotion battles with Young Feyenoord um, if that does happen over the next couple of seasons. Don't you think we're done? Don't you think we're done? Don't you think we're done?